This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome in to the OBR Newswire podcast. Again, I am your host, Jared Mueller. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed having, having Jake on uh, as an analyst um, on our Monday morning podcast. Uh, today I'm really excited to have Stephen on uh, to talk about some of the returning defenders, uh, talk a little bit about draft, which him and I are both kind of uh, obsessed with, if we can be very honest, um, and then you know talk about where we see this team going. So, First, I just want to kind of go over what's on the site. Uh, make sure you're going over to the OBR.com. Um, got a piece by Fred talking about Porter Gustin. Uh, no one hits like Gustin hits. Um, and just it, did they find a diamond in the rough? And um, Fred also talks a little bit about um, the returns um, from injury from the defenders that we're going to talk about today. And then there is a limited time, 60% off an OBR subscription on the site. And one of the things that you'll get from that uh, is the news and notes uh, from Jake on his All-22, um, a bunch of different things broken down and those kind of things. So make sure you go over to the site, take advantage of that 60% off uh, subscription, membership, and make sure you read over some of those things. Uh, before I bring Stephen in, uh, I want to talk to you about Visa. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities, whether they are corner stores, coffee spots, or our favorite shops. Local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. And my official partner today is Stephen Thomas. Stephen, funny man, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, I am uh, doing well. Thanks for having me on there, my friend. Absolutely, brother. It's always good to talk to you. And I know, you know, we're, we're three time zones apart, but uh, we live in a similar world in our brains sometimes. And that's scary for a professional comedian and a professional counselor uh, to often think alike. That's, that's got to say something about at least one of us. And it's probably a uh, statement about me because you're, you're awesome at what you do. So um, let's just kind of jump right into it. Uh, we got news that uh, obviously the Browns have some defenders returning from injury. Uh, and, and starting the season, we really had, feels like, six, seven, eight either starters or key contributors uh, that have gone down with injury. We know we're not getting Grant Delpit back. We don't really know 
uh, where Phillips, the linebacker, is going to be. We don't know his status exactly because it seems like they're going to keep that stuff under wraps. Um, but it looks like Greedy Williams and Kevin Johnson, uh, Mac Wilson, possibly Olivier Verney, Vernon, sorry, um, and who knows about Adrian Claiborne, all of them will be back probably sooner rather than later. So when you look at those possible returning defenders, which one of them do you think is going to have the greatest impact for the Browns upon their return? Um, well, uh, hopefully we get at least one of uh, uh, Vernon and Claiborne back. Uh, just for pass rush depth, uh, because uh, with the struggles the back end has been having, uh, well documented, so no need to go into it, the, the pass rush getting there and, and knocking a guy like Haskins off his spot as quickly as possible is going to be uh, even more important um, than it has been in, in the past. But as for, from the guys that look like more than likely they're going to be back this week. I, I'm, I would love to say Mac Wilson, um, but I just I, I don't see it. I mean, I'm rooting like hell for the guy. I love his attitude. I mean, how can you not? If, 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 if he's going to fail, if he's not going to become a star, it's not going to be from lack of effort. The, the guy just absolutely works his tail off, uh, and you just have to love that. So I'm rooting like hell for him, but... I just, I just, I don't know it. If he can, if he can step up and handle the linebacker duties at a solid to above average level, it'd be a huge boon for this team. I mean, it doesn't look like they're asking a ton uh, from the linebackers in this scheme, but they do need something. You know, they need, they need someone uh, competent. I'm honestly, uh, and even if he uh, comes back this week, uh, he'll, you know, he'll be rusty. Will he be 100%? Will he be 80%? We don't know. I'm honestly, I'm wondering how much of his uh, and uh, the linebacker duties, they will try to shoehorn into uh, Ronnie Harrison's uh, uh, responsibilities, to be honest. Uh, he, now that I think about it, he could end up being the answer to this question. I mean, I know he's not an injury return, but, but him becoming a more permanent part and getting more meaningful snaps could become uh, a, a massive step forward for this defense. Um, and, and I know I'm kind of going on and on here, but I think if you if you ask me to... Pick it would be the combination of Kevin Johnson and Greedy Williams, um, if yeah. for no other reason than they bring the team back to almost the full depth that they signed um, in the off season. I mean, it's been nice in that, we, like you said, we had a, a huge portion of the starting defense was out, and we weren't running street level free agents out there for the first time in years and years. It was nice <laughs> to have depth, but I mean, I mean, and you know. Yeah, they gave up a lot of yards, and, and all the problems have been out there. But next man up, they stepped up, and they did what they could. But uh, as I wrote, you know, the next man up, the guy in front of the next man up was in front of him for a reason. And that's a good thing, getting these guys back. I mean, if, if even if it's just Kevin Johnson this week, uh, handling the slot, taking some of the tight end coverage responsibilities, and helping lock down the middle of the field where they've just been absolutely hammered in the passing game, um, that would be huge in and of itself. So, yeah, I, I think those two guys, and if you force me to pick one, it would be Kevin Johnson. So hopefully he can come back and uh, beat his recurring injury bug. He's been nicked up over the years and, uh, and ball out because that would just be massive uh, on the back end of that defense. Yeah, and listen, I'm not going to 
ever question someone with a lacerated whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like when you talk about like some of the th- the words that he used to describe that injury, like feeling like his insides were filling up with something and oh, whatever. Geez. Like I, I got a queasy stomach. I'm not trying to really get too deep into that, but uh, <laughs> you know the reality is is I think you know whether it's Greedy Williams replacing Terrence Mitchell or or both of them being out there, I think the outside hasn't been terrible. I think mm-hmm. the inside has been right, and so I think you're right with Kevin Johnson. I think Ronnie Harrison's an interesting um, – we tend to look for precedent to be set and trying to understand new regimes. Um, and if Ronnie Harrison is any kind of idea for us, it tells us that the Browns are not just going to throw players in just because they're more talented than, I don't know, Andrew Sadejo or whatever, because they want to make sure they're not out there making huge mistakes. And so – Get them ready, um, yeah. Seems- yeah, it seems like they're not just going to focus on talent. They're really going to make sure that they're ready. And so um, Ronnie Harrison's been slowly getting more and more ready, uh, more and more acclimated to the system. And I think that's that's a, that's how smart teams play. They don't go boom-bust, which is Ronnie Harrison might make more plays than Andrew Sadejo, but if he gives up three plays um, that are touchdowns, it doesn't really matter of the, all those other plays. So I think – you know, bringing him along slowly is really, really smart. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's great that they're getting players back. Kevin Johnson hopefully will be a big one. And to be honest, I didn't love him as a pure slot guy when they, they signed him. I thought there were some better guys specifically for the slot, but uh, it seems like they really kind of wanted him and for that position, uh, and hopefully he'll be able to do that. And like you said, overcome the injury bug. Um, so, Stephen, we're two games in. They played the – what seems like the, the one of the most talented teams in the league in week one uh, in the Baltimore Ravens. Week two, they played the, the underhanded, um, or underman, not underhanded. I'm not trying to call them dirty. They might be. <laughs> Vontaze Perfect isn't there anymore, uh, so they're not underhanded anymore, but they were a little, they're definitely undermanned Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and both of those games went the way you would expect based on my description. So two weeks in, we can't tell a lot, but what are your thoughts on just kind of where the team is? I know this wasn't something I prepped you for in general, but um, where the team is and, and based on your expectations and what it pretends for the future before we get into kind of draft stuff. Well, I think, um, you know, like you said, it's two games. And they had two games in, what, four days. So, you know, it, it was very truncated, which, you know, going back to Ronnie Harrison, he's had a week to prepare, and then they're not going to throw him in three days later. So, you know, in what, 10 days? There were two games since he got here, like you said. Just if you're not going to rush him into week one, why would you then rush him in (laughs) to a Thursday night game? It doesn't make any sense. So with this 10-day layoff here, this pseudo-buy before they play uh, the football team, um, (laughs) it seems like a perfect opportunity to at least ramp up his snaps, if not give him – uh, 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 more, you know, starting responsibilities. And like you were saying, just to circle back one more time before I answer your question, if between Ronnie Harrison and Kevin Johnson they can stop half of the third down conversions over the middle, that would be massive. I mean, the, the, it looked against the Bengals like, you know, the, the plan was, you know, keep everything in front of us, don't give up, you know, and make them slowly matriculate the ball down the field as Hank Trent. And they did it. 13 conversions on third down and fourth down, over 90 snaps for the defense. So, uh, you know, uh, t- you tip your cap to Joe Burrow in that situation because he took what they gave him and he completed them all. Um, but I think uh, if those guys can stop half of those, now you're looking at, you know, what? You know, the offense getting into the 40s because they got 25 more snaps and the defense holding them to 20. It's a much easier victory 
uh, in that uh, third down is when ball, you know, ball games are won and lost. But as far as where they are at this point, I think, and you and I have talked about this uh, in DMs and on Twitter and stuff, uh, I think the, the best thing you can say about it, it's, real, it's too early to really make any uh, decisions, but the fact that after a three-day layoff, after you know, pretty much getting pasted uh, by what I think is the best team in the league, not only did they win, which was massive, but they looked far more organized and confident and competent and like they were confident in the scheme and they, the offensive line and the receivers and Baker all looked like they, they were more anticipating than reacting, which is what you want to see here the first half of the season. I mean, Stefanski himself came out and said, hey, look, it, it's going to take a while. I mean, you can learn this system in a day, but you to master it takes time. It just it, That's just the way it is. It wasn't, they weren't going to come out of the chute with, with, with you know, both barrels blazing. It just it wasn't going to happen, but the fact that they looked so much better uh, in the second game than the first game gives me tremendous hope that that trend is going to continue. And if they do, and they all stay healthy, like we said all offseason, the number of weapons that, that Six has at his disposal now is just tremendous. I mean, the, it's a pick-your-poison kind of offense at this point, which we haven't seen since the Kosar days, really, uh, in brown and orange. So I think things are trending up. Um, they're one of the few teams after the bloodbath on Sunday that oh is actually getting healthier, <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, that, that's, again, the first time that the Browns have been on the other end of that ledger for as long as I can remember. Um, so if they can get through these next, if they can get to the halfway point, four and four or better, I really, really like their chances in the second half of making a run and grabbing one of those wild card spots. Um, even three and five, to be honest, they won't be out of it uh, with the extra playoff team uh, added in each conference this year. So I'm in, I'm in a good mood. I'm confident. It's still really early, so I'm not like you know throwing myself full into it yet. But I, I, I think if you're paying attention and you're looking at the improvement week over week or you know three days over week in this particular <laughs> case, um, how can you not like what you saw that second week from everybody on that sideline? Right. Line? And honestly, even the first week, um, if you put those two weeks together, for me, the NFL is all about, in, and you can pick your order, but it's about head coach, quarterback, line play, offensive and defensive, right? Those are the four things, three or four things that matter. Weapons and, and corners and, you know, linebackers and safeties and kickers and all of that stuff obviously matters to different extents. But for me, a team that has competent head coach, competent quarterback play, competent play on the offensive and defensive line, everything mm-hmm. else you can figure out. And I would say, you know, they protected Baker pretty well and opened up some decent running lanes in week one. And obviously, yeah. we know what week two looked like. And then even the defensive line, while, um, you know, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, they didn't, the run game for Baltimore didn't get going. The defensive line seemed to control the line of scrimmage. So for me, both weeks told me, you know what, head coaching, we saw an improvement. Baker, we saw an improvement. But the offensive and defensive lines have looked good in both weeks, and somehow that included Chris Hubbard. Uh, So I think we learned last year that, you know, coaching – and, and line play is more important than we ever thought it was or we ever gave it credit to. And so it's not as flashy as OBJ and Hooper and Hunt and, and Chubb and Landry and Higgins and Cordero Hodge and, 
I'm missing everybody else that's amazing talent, or even like Denzel Ward or Greedy Williams, but it is the most important thing outside of coaching and quarterback play. So for me, that's really kind of the thing that um, gets me excited. It's not about the results. Uh, It is a little bit that I really think they controlled the game against the Bengals. Um, because I think that, you know, college football used to have um, game control metrics that they would look at. It seemed very clear to me that the Browns were in control against Cincinnati. The score was the score, but watching that game, you get a feel that the Browns were in total control. Sure, yeah, and like you said, just about anybody but Lamar Jackson and that week one uh, uh, defensive performance looks different. I mean, he he was, I mean, I remember watching Michael Vick, single-handedly keep uh, Virginia Tech in the national championship game in 98 or 90, whenever that was. Uh, I mean, they, they were Virginia Tech was wildly outclassed, but because Michael Vick was a witch at evading the pass <laughs> rush, he kept him in that game, and that's basically what Lamar Jackson did. And the offense, they moved the ball in the first half. They moved it actually pretty darn well. They just shot themselves in the foot over and over, and then the second half, the score got out of hand, and and the frustration set in and everything. But as I said in my wrap-up for that game, if you step back and you look at it, it wasn't that far off. They were just missing. But in the NFL, especially against a team as good as the Ravens, just missing is too much. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of like golf. You know, uh, there are some courses where you can miss the fairway a little bit and still have a, a chance. And then there are other courses, the U.S. Open, you know, or, or, or Augusta, places yeah. like that where not only can you not miss the fairway, you got to be in the exa- – you can be in the fairway, but if you're on the wrong side of the fairway, you have absolutely no chance. And that's what it kind of looked like uh, against the Ravens. You, you have to play pretty darn close to perfect to beat that football team because they're just that freaking good. So – yeah, Krzyzewski I, 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 said something a long time ago, and it always stuck with me. If you play poorly and win, don't get caught up in the win. If you play well and lose, don't get caught up in the loss. And I think that's exactly what you're saying there, and especially early on in this regime. Improvement week over week, confidence, eliminating the penalties, making the little things better that have killed us for the past two, two decades. If they can see continued improvement in that, which we saw from week one to week two, if that continues, if that trend continues to trend up, I, I think the wins will take care of themselves uh, more often than not as the season goes along. Absolutely. I think a, a perfect example of that is Lamar Jackson's pass that basically Andrew Sadejo was in great position to defend and mm. still was completed. I think it was DeMarc Andrews. It's just the reality of uh, of the slim margin. And as Jake talked about on Monday's podcast, uh, the Browns offense with Kevin, Kevin Stefanski is, is made to be a uh, neutral or a head offense. And so when you get down 12, 14 points, it makes it really difficult to run that offense. So I think it'll be really fun as we continue to go that the Browns got their Baltimore blowout out of the way, and we'll see what happens in their second matchup. And we'll see what happens as they uh, move on to uh, the Washington football team, WFT. Um, but a, a real quick note from Indeed, uh, you know, sports – They had a break, but your businesses didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. We like fast. Speed is good. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring for 
you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. You have eight days to make that happen. So, Stephen, want to uh, turn real quickly to um, your and I's addiction, our passion, whatever term we want to use, which is the NFL draft. Mm. Obviously, it is a very weird year. It is a very uh, weird college season. Everything is weird, right? But before we get into just things that you're looking ahead to specifically for the Browns, I just kind of wanted to get a quick thought from you. You know, for those who are listening who maybe haven't read your stuff or seen kind of how you think about the draft, um, you know, people who don't obsess about it like you and I, you know, they think of need drafting, best player available drafting, you know, all those kind of real basic terms. When you think about drafting and you think about the NFL draft, what kind of thoughts do you have about things like need-based drafting, best player available, those kind of things? Well, I, I'm probably going to get hate tweets for this, but I, I, one of the common things out there is don't draft for need, and I just think that's wrong. You don't force need. Drafting for need is what you should be doing if the need matches the value. I mean, if someone, you know, you're in the 27th pick and someone you have ranked, you know, on your board at 20th is there and it's at a position of need, but there's somebody else there that's ranked 18th on your board, but you're already too deep at that position with one of them being an all pro, why would you not draft the guy that you need. I mean, that, that that doesn't make any sense to me. So, you know, drafting for need is fine. Forcing a pick for need is where you get into trouble. Um, and that's where, you know, just go BPA doesn't, it doesn't hold water because need factors into your calculations for who is the best player available. Um, you know, scheme matters. Uh, with this uh, particular front office, and it's something we'll get into here in a little bit, um, there are other age matters. There are other parameters or guardrails or whatever you want to call them um, that we think, it's only a one-year sample, but we think uh, they uh, they follow. They didn't draft anybody over the age of, uh, I think, 22 and a half, and I think their average age was 21 and two months or something like that. You go really, really young. They love that kind of stuff. So there are some top prospects out there that are redshirt seniors and seniors that I, I just don't know if they're going to be on uh, Andrew Barry's radar. Now, I'm not one of these guys that knows people in every front office and gets secret texts and has all that kind of stuff. That's that's Ben Albright. That's Lane. Those guys do that kind of stuff, and they're much better than I do. But I, I just try and sit back and see what uh, this front office has done before, what they say, what's out there, and what matches. Um, I, I often have to say to some people uh, on the Twitter timeline, I'm not a draft guy. I'm a Browns draft guy. So if it's a position they're not particularly interested in, I'm not going to, like, I haven't looked at quarterbacks the last two years. Haven't, I mean, I've barely watched any film. Don't care. Really, and it's so nice. 
Um, and if <laughs> and if this season goes anywhere like we think it's going to, I'm going to continue that this year. Um, and so, you know, when I do that, I, I try to put their stuff into buckets. Okay, day one, these three positions seem to be make the most sense. So those are the guys I'm going to study. The guys ranked in the top 50 at those three positions. Then on day two, these other three positions come into play. So I'm going to study the guys ranked day two or maybe early day three on various boards that might fit into this scheme and then try to narrow it down because I just, I don't have the time or, or the resources to do like, you know, I mean, Kuiper and those guys, they look at 700 prospects and they look at a hundred hours of film on each guy. I, that's just amazing to me. And I, and I can't really do that. So what's interesting about uh, to sort of dovetail it into here to where I know we're going next. What's interesting about the Browns this year is the way things are trending and it's very early, obviously a lot can change. But the way the early trends are going that you and I have talked about here on the air, this may be the very first year that I've been doing the daily mock draft, this will be year five, that there isn't a blatantly obvious target for day one. Um, like we knew it was quarterback, you know, last year we knew it was an offensive lineman, a tackle, you know, I mean, you knew yeah, this year, I mean, all off season we've been talking about interior defensive line. And possibly, you know, an edge across from miles. And then you could throw safety in there. There's always people that want linebackers, all that kind of stuff. But those, the defensive lines seem to be. Now you're looking at if Sheldon keeps playing the way he is and they decide to keep him because he's got an out after his contract this year. And if they bring Larry back, you've now got Sheldon, Larry, Jordan Elliott's really playing well as a rookie. And you get Andrew Billings back next year. That's four-man rotation. Your fifth interior defensive lineman is typically not somebody you spend day one draft capital on. So, <laughs> or day two, mostly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, while I would still love a guy like a Marvin Wilson or, or a, um, um, a Christian Barmore at Alabama or something like that, if, the, if all of those things happen and those are your top four defensive linemen heading into the draft next April, I would almost 99% write off interior defensive line. Um, as the number one pick. Now, Edge, across from Miles, might still be there, although I think that could be handled uh, in free agency. Um, but if you're looking at it right now, you could, make the, you could make the case for Edge. You could make the case for a safety, uh, especially since we won't know uh, Grant Delpit's injury rehab prognosis <coughs> for quite some time. I mean, we're all hoping he comes back 100% next year, but with that kind of an injury, you just never know. Um, you, uh, corners, cover corners are always in the discussion on day one. And I know there's going to be people out there yelling extremely loud for a linebacker, which, you know, with this front office does not seem likely. So it's going to be fascinating, especially if they're picking, you know, between 20 and 25, somewhere in that range, because you can make a case for like, you know, six different positions, plus a trade-up, plus a trade-down. It's, it's going to be fascinating this year if things keep going the way they are. And right now, I don't know if I could pin it down, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and I think that's the, the, the really interesting thing looking at, you know, so need. Uh, there's an article I wrote, I think it was last year or the year before, that, that best value available yes. is really the most appropriate way to think about you know, yep. things, and so, you know, linebacker, Dylan Moses might be good, but he may not be best value, you know, those kind of things, but I think if we look at the Browns, you know, on offense, 
there's not a an opening for for anyone at this point in time. If we're there's no injuries, there's no nothing. There is not an opening on the offense for next year um, in a way that is meaningful first round pick right. on defense. If we assume De- I mean, right now for me because I'm really excited about him. If we assume Delpit is back, Ronnie Harrison is. Uh, there, and maybe Carl Joseph. Let's just pretend like they bring all three of them back. Greedy, um, Denzel Ward, you're right, we might be looking at another with Terrence Mitchell. Kevin Johnson uh, can be a free agent. So there is some secondary things going on there, but there's not a a direct need um, right off the top. And I think the one thing that good teams tend to do is look two years ahead. So Who's going to be a free agent in, holy crap, it's a long time away, but who's going to be a free agent in the offseason of 2022, and how do we prepare ahead so we're not trying to throw a rookie in at starting defensive end or, or the three technique is Sheldon Richardson, most likely if he doesn't, if, if we pick up his option for 2021, he's most likely not going to get re-signed for right. 2022. So that kind of thinking really can be what's interesting, but maybe that's Jordan Elliott. So I think it's just, uh, it's going to be, it can be really fun that Browns fans, we might get to actually talk about how do good teams draft. And good teams tend to draft for a year ahead of time, or they look at very specific needs. Like, if I was able to draft DK Metcalf, I would have over Greedy Williams, because I would love that big monster receiver with Odell and with Jarvis Landry. Well, they weren't that good right then, so it probably wasn't the best idea, but I would have loved it. So, it'll be interesting if we get to... um, you know, work with a, what a good team does versus trying to plug 75 holes in mm. one off season. So as you look ahead, I'm sure you've done four or 14 mock drafts in the last, you know, couple days. Um, <laughs> based on different ones, the Browns right now would be picking 15th or 16th. And that really doesn't mean that much because there's a hundred different tiebreakers. But at 15 or 16, is there a specific player right now that if, you know, if Andrew Berry says, Stephen, the draft is today, and you're going to make the pick, who are you picking around 15, 16? No, there really isn't one guy. I mean, um, like I said, you could talk me into just about, I, I don't know, half a dozen, maybe as many as 10 guys, you know, okay. since we're so early. Right now, uh, as far as the linebackers go, you brought up Dylan Moses. I love Dylan Moses. I actually like, at this moment, I like Dylan Moses uh, better than I like Micah Parsons, who's the draft Twitter darling at this point. But uh, would they spend day one draft capital on an off-ball linebacker? Everything they've done to this point says that they wouldn't. But if they continue to play well, a lot of the young guys currently, like you said, uh, uh continue to progress. Uh, they have a good free agent uh, off season, and there's no glaring holes, and they're sitting there staring at a guy like Dylan Moses or, you know, even Micah Parsons. Uh, would it, it would at least make an interesting discussion, let me put it that way, because they don't ask a ton from their linebackers, but if you can have one guy that can knock, that, knock it down, like sideline to sideline, like those two guys, you have to, I mean, you'd have to at least think about it. I still highly, highly doubt it. Um, I, you know, if you're if you're thinking linebacker, my guess at this exact moment would be more of the day two guys, uh, Chaz Surratt or a Nick Bolton, or uh, here's an under the radar name uh, to keep an eye on for the linebacker fans out there, Garrett Wallow, uh, down at TCU. He's a converted safety, uh, moves really really well, seems to fit 
into just about perfectly what Joe Woods seems to want in his scheme. So that those would be my linebacker guys for the for the if we were in the middle you know, teens to late teens like that. Realistically, I mean, yeah, you'd love to say Gregory Rousseau or somebody like that, but you know, what are the odds? You know that he's going to fall that far, especially since he's not playing this year. He's not going to do anything to to hurt his draft stock. I think. I mean, I think you're you're probably down to either corner or edge uh, at that point. Um, um, the uh, the guy from uh, Penn State, uh, um, the athletic freak, uh, J- Owe, um, he could play his way into day one uh, talk. Uh, now that we know the Big Ten is coming back, Carlos Basham would obviously be right there. I loved him last year before <laughs> he decided to go back to school. I really was really crushed when he decided to go back to school because I wanted him last year, but. As I said before, he turns yep. yeah he he turns 23 in December. Um, so I I mean we can, it's I, as I said it's only a one year sample with Andrew Barry. We don't know for sure 100 percent that that is a complete red flag off the table. No way, you know disqualifier. But it would seem that way. Um, so I, while yeah I think he would be perfect. Um, that the age thing might uh, might knock him out. Maybe an Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, in that range, if he has a good year, he's got versatility along the defensive line. That would be a guy you could talk me into. Uh, corner at this moment seems to be uh, moving up the boards for me in this in this particular scenario because the best players uh, on the boards, and these obviously they're very early boards, but the best players in those that range that fits any of our needs are guys like Patrick Sertain, or uh, Asante Samuel Jr. Both of those guys make me feel even older than I always do. Yeah, bring on the legacies. Bring on the legacies. We missed Antoine Winfield Jr. Let's get a legacy player next year. Good grief. And then both of the guys at South Carolina, uh, J.C. Horn and and, uh, Israel uh, uh, Mukwama, uh, they're fantastic. And Kerry Vincent Jr. is a guy I like. A ton. He opted out at LSU this year, but man, oh man, is his toolbox full. Uh, speed for days um, and, and great, just tremendous ball skills. Right now I see him between 50 and 100 on most boards. I don't know if that's because he's on the younger side or because he's opted out and you know they just dropped him because they're not going to have any new tape or whatever like that. So I, if he doesn't play, I don't know that he, ta- he moves his way up into day one conversation, but I think it, it, had he played this year and had the year that everybody's anticipated, uh, he definitely would have. So um, that would be another name that I might keep an eye on uh, if you're looking for something out of the blue. But Sean Wade obviously uh, is going to be right there. Uh, in in the discussion, if you yeah, if you forced me right now to look at the guys who realistically might be available in that 15 to 20 range, if that's where we're picking, uh, you put a gun to my head and forced me to pick one guy, I would probably take Sean Wade uh, at this exact moment. That sounds perfect, folks. Uh, when you hear Jake Burns talk film and he's just pulling out words that probably half of us don't understand what they are, you can just kind of hear their his passion and his uh, knowledge and all that. You just heard that from Stephen as I asked a very open-ended question, and and he's pulling names 
on a, like, honestly, he made up probably half of those. Uh, and I, I, wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a flipping clue. And I love the draft. I wait a little longer. But you can just really see, and it's one of the things we want to do on the podcast. We really want to focus on people's passions and desires and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so I hope you heard that from Steven as someone who just knows players. And he will talk about players that were drafted three years ago in the seventh round that he wants the Browns to pick up. And that's because he's he cares, he's passionate, and he's really focused on it. And so hopefully you guys heard that, uh, that we have an, an expert specifically for the Browns, specifically around the draft, that is that is going to provide us a lot of interesting things. And I'm going to give him homework here real quick after I talk about Bet Online. Uh, the wait is over. Football is back. Even though we're going to have this 10-day span between the Browns' Thursday night football win and playing the Washington football team, it is back. You might not be able to go to a game this year. Uh, you might be, not be at a game this year. Uh, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, just like we hope our Browns do. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. I'm going to take a quick second to say this. Stephen, if the Browns are 3-5 and five going into the second half of the season, I will be on betonline.ag taking that futures when it comes to wins, division, uh, playoffs, all of that kind of stuff, because I really do believe in what their second half of the season is going to look like, and I'm going to take advantage of BetOnline for that. So for all of you today, whether it's the midseason, today, whatever, head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use our promo code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word, BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sports book expert. Steven, I appreciate everything today. I'm giving you homework for next week or the week after, um, and that is this. I asked the question on Twitter um, if you had to face Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes in the same season, whether that's during the year or in the playoffs, who is the one defender? you would want, and you, you gave me some a, a funny answer, but um, <laughs> but I would like to give you a That was my real answer. Yeah, it's a real answer. I get it. Uh, I want to <laughs> give you homework. I want you to, I'm going to ask you to find me my Derwin James, my Jeremy Chin, my Jamal Adams. I don't care, but that versatile safety linebacker guy uh, could be under the radar. You're not saying he will be one of those guys, but in our next conversation or the one after that, I'm going to ask you to find me the best player coming up in this draft that could make a difference against those two amazing quarterbacks, knowing that no one really can. But that is going to be my assignment to you. I want you to find me my Lamar and Patrick stoppers uh, somewhere in that secondary. Find me that guy, okay? All right, I'll do what I can as long as we don't go on record with me saying this guy is going to be a Lamar stopper because that is you know literally it, what we're going to name them. It's a Karan <laughs> Butler was a LeBron stopper. There was a bunch of idiots that were saying certain players are going to be LeBron stoppers. That is what we're going to say. Controversy gets clicks, gets cash. Stephen, we're going to roll it out that way. All but right. I appreciate your time today. I hope you're doing well, and we'll get together again next week. All right. You got it, man. We'll talk to you. Go Browns. Absolutely, and that's exactly how we're going to end today, folks. Thanks for stopping in. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, I appreciate having Stephen on, uh, just so passionate but also so knowledgeable. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of others, and obviously go Browns.